Welcome to the Line Cool Podcast. A tennis show presented by Hector and Toby. Hi everyone and welcome to episode three of the Line Cool Podcast with uh, me, Hector, and my mate Toby. How's it going everyone? Oh, it's, it's going well, it's going very well. It's been an absolutely brilliant week in Monte Carlo this week. Some great matches. I can't believe Greek Sport went and did it, mate. I can't believe he went and won. I mean, you were pretty, um, what's the word, um, reserved in your uh, prediction. You said he's only going to reach the quarters, but I knew you fancied him to win the whole thing, and I can't believe he went and did it. You know, I can't believe you got five out of eight of your quarterfinal predictions. I, I can't believe it. I, 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 what was it? You said you'd be happy with five out of eight. How many did you get again? Sorry, if you could just remind me. I think let's get on to the predictions later in the show. Anyway, <laughs> no, no matter what, it was a quality week of tennis in Monte Carlo. Stefanos Tsitsipas defends his title, his second Masters 1000 title, both of them obviously at Monte Carlo. So a great week for him. Yep. Um, and actually a delicious stat for that. So he is the first player outside of the big four to successfully defend a Masters 1000 title since 2003, when the current coach of Carlos Alcaraz, Juan Carlos Ferrero, defended his Monte Carlo title. Yeah, so that just sort of, um, you know, gives gives a nod to how significant of an achievement it is and also highlights the, the dominance of the big four in the last almost 20 years. Yeah, I mean, if I could piggyback off that, Great stat. Um, he sits past became only the sixth player ever to defend his Monte Carlo title. Other players, Rafa done it, uh, Bjorn Borg had done it. As you said, Juan Carlos Ferreira had done it. Um, all six of these players have a Roland Garros title to their name. Oh, that I love. I love a good stat like that. So, De- definitely um, something to keep in mind going forward there. A bit of foreshadowing, maybe, for, um, for Sitsipas. Hmm. Right, so um, this week we saw some absolutely great matches. I think definitely, at least from the quarterfinals onwards, there were so many thrillers. Uh, All of the quarterfinals were at least two hours and 25 minutes in length. Three sets, just absolute epics. One of my favourite ones was um, Sitz Pass against Schwartzman. Uh, It it was just, there were just such, such ups and downs. So... Just a little quick recap. Um, Sits pass was five two up in the second set. Looks like he's going to win it. I I thought like okay yeah it's you know it's it's game over. Diego comes back, takes it to a tie break, wins it, and then hence goes up four love in the third set. He was one point away from being five, five love up in yeah. that third set. I could not believe it. As a, as a Diego fan, I I I love I love watching him. I was like he's done it. He's done it. He's come back. He's completed the comeback, and here we go. Semi-finals. Don't worry about it. And then Sits Pass wins six games in a row to win six four. Honestly, that is one of the best matches I've watched in a long time. Probably shot of the tournament in that uh, in that final game there at Deuce as the way he comes forward, Sits Pass, and then lich like like a goalkeeper dives to his side and picks it off with beautiful touch. Uh, to get it just back over the net um, to force match point it was um, an absolutely stunning shot wasn't it I, I think I think match of the tournament and shot of the tournament right there and the old twofer it's it, double two two for one 
two for one on Menage a Trois. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, also it wasn't. He made it look easy. I watched the the, the replays in slow motion. He, he knows he's going to be doing it. He's committed. But that's not an easy ball to do as well. Diego hits a a, a perfect pass. It's, it's dipping. It's low. It's hard. It's fast. I, I, I just could not believe it. That point in the match as well. Just yeah, I think Diego. All all he could do was smile at that point. Just be like, yeah, fair enough. Well played. That's an amazing shot. And that that wasn't that wasn't it for the shot making as well. There was plenty of amazing shot making, you know, in in the rest of the match. And I think both players really really had to dig deep. It's not often that you see two improbable comebacks in the same match where you're you're sure that they've won. In the second set, I was like, okay, six passes won now. You know, he's had a good tournament. He's just going to finish it off. And then when Diego was four love up, I thought, okay, five love like. He's got a point for it. It's it's over, but uh, yeah, that was that was an emotional roller coaster, and I think especially as um, a big fan of one of those players, um, yeah, it was, it was a bit much. But you, you have to just say congratulations to um, to Sitzpass, who who played an amazing match, I think, and he 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 won it in style. Um, so for our predictions, we both went for Djokovic. And in hindsight, maybe not the best pick. Um, what, 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 how, do, how do you feel about that? It was another disappointing return for the world number one who lost his opening game against the eventual finalist, Alejandro Davidovich Vakina. Um, and what I thought was slightly surprising news, he sort of blamed the defeat on his lack of stamina. Um, I would have thought, you know, his physical conditioning would have not been an issue this week uh, after not playing that many games this year. Um, I would have thought it had been the kind of lack of real game practice. Uh, after the game, Djokovic said he fought his way to the final set, but then I collapsed physically. I just couldn't move anymore as he was blown away 6-1 in that final set. And it's just, it's really kind of odd seeing Djokovic fade in that fashion. Um, you know, watching the game, the crowd looked shocked. Um, his coaching team looked baffled. Um, you know, it didn't help the way that um, Davidovich Fakina was kind of bouncing around the court as well on the other side, just to emphasise the point of how kind of poorly Djokovic was moving. I mean, a huge part of Djokovic's legend is the fact that he and, you know, everyone else has always sort of known there's no point trying to trade ground strokes with him because he never misses and he never runs, runs out of energy. So, um, you know, this is the same man who, you know, back in, back in the day, you know, Australian Open 2012, he beat Andy Murray in the semi-finals in over five hours and then walks back out two days later um, and wins a six-hour final against Rafa Nadal um, to come into this tournament having only played one tournament in Dubai earlier this year for him to fade in this fashion is, um, I'm, I guess, shocking and disappointing. Um, he'll probably look to bounce back in Serbia next week at the Belgrade Open. Um, could face Dominic Team in the quarterfinal. That'd be an interesting. Good to see Dominic Team back, back and around it. It's a relatively weak field. Only one other top 10 player in Rublev in the draw. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be an important week to see how Djokovic can bounce back after that poor performance in Monte Carlo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have to completely agree with the fact that having stated that reason, I genuinely... I was I was surprised from seeing the match. It wasn't surprising that being the reason, but 
as you say, Djokovic, when people play against him, they don't, you know, it's, it's like playing against a, a brick wall, isn't it? He's going to get it back. He's not going to run out of energy. You you have to go out there and you have to beat him, which is what Davidovic Fokina did. But having rested some of the year, only played one tournament, you just do not expect it. I mean, I had him, I had him on to win, I had him on to win the title. We both did. And I mean, interestingly, this um, Djokovic's last loss in the opening round of a tournament came in the second round of Miami 2018. Well, yeah. So four years ago, to then 47th ranked Benoit Paire, which is only one place off where Davidovic Fakina was ranked at the start of the tournament, 46. 2018 mean four years ago. That's yeah. a bit of a. Um... Yeah, four years ago, it was the second round of Miami after a first round bye. But that's that's a that's a long time. Yeah, for... I mean, I think I was disappointed at the fact that we got robbed. Um, we got robbed from seeing this matchup. I mean, everyone wanted to see it as soon as the draw came out. It was yeah. the thing that everyone kind of circled, like, oh yeah, Djokovic, Alcaraz, current number one, probably future world number one. So. Yeah, I mean, Alcaraz's loss was pretty surprising to Corder as well. I mean, not to say Corder's an easy game, but everyone would have backed Alcaraz to go through that. Um, I mean, Alcaraz, I don't, he didn't really look like him, him himself in that one. Um, he had the chance to serve for the opening set, but was broken to love. Um, he squandered three, sets point, three set points in the second set before eventually winning it in a tie break. Um, but it was just a game filled with with errors in those uh, really gusty conditions. I think there was 90 combined errors in the game. Yeah, and you don't... I think we're used to seeing from Alcaraz, we're used to seeing blistering winners and like a, a two-to-one ratio of winners to unforced errors just because he keeps his game so tidy and because he goes for those those big shots because he has them in his arsenal and he just usually carries them off well. Uh, it was kind of surprising to see it, but I think... Um, I think Corder was just more clinical on the day as in, in terms of the break points. He actually finished with 19 more winners than, than Alcaraz, which is uh, you know, probably a stat you will fail to see going forward, someone having 19 more winners than Carlos Alcaraz in the game. Yeah, and, and I think he saved 13 out of 19 um, break points as well. So I, I think you just have to say, well done, Corder, really, to be honest, because I think he, you know, he, he sort of he stepped up and wore Alcaraz down that that's my um analysis from the match my 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 takeaway from it i think they both said look you know i'm going to stand here i'm going to stand on the baseline and we're going to do this and whoever whoever blinks first definitely i think it's um a quality win for cordor i mean cordor sorry um Alcaraz said he was disappointed with himself but he didn't feel like the heavy expectations weighed too heavy on him, and I think that shows great maturity from the from the young man. Really, I mean, I don't think expectations could be any heavier on Alcaraz at this point in his career, considering how well he's played so far in 2022. So, you know, it's he's it, not going to win everything every week. Uh, no one does. So, it's just going to be back to the drawing board and um, off to Barcelona next week. He'll be seeded fifth. Um, at, in his home country, he'll definitely have tons of support. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him bounce back and and and, and make a run there. Um, I mean, funnily enough, I saw saw an article on Eurosport where Boris Becker said that he thinks Alcaraz should now take a break from now up until the French Open. He says, you know, Alcaraz should focus on being 100% fit, injury-free for the French. Um, he should miss Barcelona, Real Madrid. But I don't know. I don't, personally, I don't agree with that. I, I think that's interesting coming from from someone 
as wildly successful as Becker, obviously winning Wimbledon at the age of 17. Uh, yeah, that's just an interesting point because I, as as like you, I don't really agree with it because I feel like he's at a point in his career where everything's just starting to come together. He's ranked 11th in the world. He has barely any points to defend. He's 18 years old. He's young. He's fresh. He's hungry. I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. And I think, um, I think he, as you say, he's, he's showed his maturity and his attitude by saying, um, you know, it's, it's it's a, it's a good outlook to have. I think he said um, it's it's sometimes these losses are good, that there are good losses, and I think as an eighteen year old to have that outlook and maturity and attitude at this point in your career, I just I think I think it's just a great a great stead a great a great a great start, and I think um, for the rest of the season if he can have an outlook like that after just winning the biggest title of his career and everyone saying, oh, you know, he's going to be number one. Us as well, we're so excited um, just to step back and be like, okay, these losses are good sometimes. I think he's going to learn from it. And I think, um, as you say, he's not going to win everything, but I think he's going to take this. He's going to move on. He's just going to... He's got so much to improve already. He's so all-round player already, but he knows he can improve. And I think he's going to pick apart his game and get every facet of it as good as he can. And I just, I can't wait to see what the season unfolds. Yeah. So both of us over two on that one prediction. Um, I don't think many people had David Fakina against Fritz in that quarterfinal, but, um, but here we are. Um, second set of quarterfinal predictions. I had Rude versus Norrie. Who did you have again, Hector? I think I had uh, Greeks poor against Rude. Oh, uh, yeah. How, how did Greeks put it? He he didn't do too well. I I believe he lost to uh, Albert Ramos uh, Vinolas in the in the first round. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was. I've I've had I've had better times and I've I've had worse. Well, just like Alcaraz, mate, bounce back for next week. You'll be there. You'll be, you'll be there again. Exactly. Taking taking notes from me, the eighteen year old phenom. Sometimes um, losses are good things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, what am I saying? I got both of these wrong as well. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, Nori, I wouldn't say I was particularly shocked by his loss to Albert Ramos Vinas. He just seems he's got the upper hand on, on, on clay that's 4 0 now for Ramos Vinas on clay in their head to head career. Um, it was Nori's first match on clay this year. You know, it can get, can take a little while to get used to it. He's had a heavy. Hardcore season so far, he's played a lot of games, so it's going to probably take him a little while to to get used to being on clay. Um, again, he'll go in again next week, fourth seed in Barcelona, so he's got a good chance to make a bit of a run there. Um, and Rude's defeat to Dimitrov in straight sets was a bit more shocking to me, but I mean, Dimitrov had a quality week with wins over Bachelasvili and um, her catch as well as his victory over Rude. So, yeah, I mean, Probably disappointed with Rude, considering his clay court prowess and his form running into it, this Monte Carlo Open. But again, he'll be in Barcelona too next week, second seed. It's a, it's a stacked draw in Barcelona. Oh, mate, there's some, yeah, it's really, really lot, lots of decent players in Barcelona next week. So um, definitely going to be a good tournament, one to keep an eye on. But he hasn't played at Barcelona since 2017, which I think was his only appearance there, where he, he lost in the second round. So you know, it's a chance for Rude to to, to make a run when he's got 
points to gain, nothing I mean, to lose. He'll be a wildly different player between now and then. That would must have been the maybe the first year he turned pro. Um, now ranked Maseva in the world, you know, one of the top seeds in the tournament. I, yeah, I think he's sort of out there with a the point to prove. I think he's like, you know, I'm still great on this surface. And um, yeah, I think, I think he, I was slightly disappointed this week, you know, because he, he has a fair amount of points to defend on the clay. And I, I thought, I felt when, at least when Djokovic went out, Djokovic and Alcaraz, I felt maybe it was his time to, to capitalise, especially having got to the final in Miami, um, not his favourite, not his favourite surface. Um, but I, you know, I, not having even made the quarterfinals, I had him in my semis. Um, yeah, I, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be okay. He's, he's resilient and he, he has, he's got five, five titles. Um, he has the confidence. He'll, he'll be just fine. Just like Alcaraz, I think he's going to bounce back and I think he's, he's going to be just okay. Yeah, I definitely agree on that point you made where it feels like a lost opportunity considering how wide open that, that, that top bit of the draw was. Um, yeah, probably something he'll look back and rue on. But anyway, like you say, on to the next. Um, in the third uh, quarterfinal, we both had Schwartzman versus Sitspass. We did, yeah, full house. We yes. are bloody geniuses, mate. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but kind of had it penciled in. Pe- we did. Absolutely called it. Yeah, called it. Too easy, mate. <laughs> um, and like you said in your recap earlier, was probably the game of the tournament. Uh, de- definitely. Like, no no, no question whatsoever. I think the the quality, the intensity, how the players dug deep, you, you just didn't see it in any of the matches. Maybe apart from the the Zverev-Sinner quarterfinal, I think. Um, that one was a great one as well, but yeah, that was just brilliant. I had I had um, Sits Pass winning in that as well for my, my predictions, um, but I I, I kind of wanted Schwartzman to win, of course. But um, yeah, it was. Looks like you used your head over your heart there. Yeah, yeah. I I chose my head over my heart, even though I wanted to, and it could it easily could have gone either way, very easily. Um, but yeah, so the the Zverev Cinematch the other quarterfinal from that half of the draw. That that was a great match as well, actually. So um, it was close. It was over three hours. Absolute epic. I think both of them played some really, really great tennis. It was it was up and down. They weren't really playing their their best tennis at the same time up until final set, midway through the final set. And then they were, they sort of got a little bit nervous. So, for example, in the, in the third set, Zverev surfed for it at 5-4 and got broken. Um, went to a tie break and I think during that match as well Zverev's backhand was was absolutely on fire if it wasn't for um, Sitsipas's diving volley his backhand down the line might have been shot of the tournament it was um, yeah he was they were both playing brilliantly um, and it's c- courageous play as well I think Sinner really stood up really stood up to him and, and, and took took his game to him and went for it Um but yeah, it just it came down to those tough moments. Sinner was five four up in the final set tie break, and he blinked. He blinked. He he missed a shot, and he he just sort of stopped, halted on his on his toes, and had his hand up against his mouth. And you could you you could just see, you could see that he was nervous. You could see that he was nervous, and um, yeah, he sort of let Zverev take it from his hand from his hands. 
But um, yeah, I think Zverev deserved to win in the end. You know, it was a battle of nerves. But uh, again, yeah, that was a that was a great match. And I think maybe in the semi final showing, sits pass against Zverev. Maybe Zverev was a little tired. Don't use that as an excuse. But um, yeah, sits pass uh, just dispatched him six four six two straights. It was um, it was yeah, it was, it was a dominant performance actually. Is was that your prediction? That quarterfinal Zverev Sinner. Uh, yes, it was. Again, that was the same situation as Sits Pass Diego. I wanted Diego to win, Diego Schwartzman to win against Sits Pass, and I wanted Sinner to win against Verov, but I went with my head for both of them. And I haven't been doing that recently, you know, as you know, with the uh, Greeks poor. Went with my head. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I got got the got the bottom half of the the semis, but as we know, Zverev, Zverev didn't come through. Yeah, I had uh, Christian Garin against Pablo Carreno Busta. Yeah, didn't quite work out how I wanted it to. Um, I mean, Garin withdrew before the tournament <laughs> post our prediction, so not really on me that one. Um, I reckon he probably would have gone all the way otherwise. But... Yeah, I just you know you, you got to you got to take your luck and run with it. I think. Yeah, know? I mean, ignore the fact he lost in the first round at Barcelona already this week. So uh, <laughs> no. don't worry about it. Poor Christian. And then. Um, I mean, um, Karina Buster gave Zarev a decent game in the third round, but ultimately Zarev was too good, came through 6 2 seven, five. So, I mean, for me, only two out of eight predictions correct for the quarterfinals. Not fantastic, but um, again, like Alcaraz, me and Alcaraz, we'll bounce back, don't worry. We'll bounce back, you'll be just fine. Another note, actually, on um, great matches in the tournament. So, uh, round of 16... Schwartzman versus Massetti. You had Massetti as your dark horse. And I think going as far as the round 16 qualifies as dark horse, I think for someone of his ranking and experience, um, that, that again, was a really great match. Diego was down 1-3 in the second set. So uh, setting a breakdown, look down and out, um, comes back to win the set 6-4 and then wins the match 6-3 in the third. And there was great shot making from both players in that match. I think... Um, Massetti's a one, definitely a one to watch for the future. It's interesting. It'd be interesting to see what path he goes down because he's quite a um, extravagant sort of player in the terms of his, um, yeah, his shot making and his uh, stroke production. Obviously, that lovely one-handed backhand, and I think he's, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether he goes down the sort of Shapovalov route of preferring to win an amazing point of a jump backhand or to win the match and sacrifice some style and flair um you know because with with someone like him who has such such a, a varied toolbox of of abilities he could go far but I'd, it'd be interesting to see how he he and his coach you know ha- handle handle that that talent absolutely mate um one of the biggest winners this week despite not winning the final itself would definitely be Alejandro Davidovich Fokina um you know super run to the final headline wins over Djokovic round two Fritz quarterfinals and Dimitrov in the semis um he had to go the distance in all three of those games all three going to three sets and he kind of showed great tenacity in in in, in those um I mean I think getting this Getting the scalp of the world number one would do his confidence the world a good um, moving forward for the rest of the season. He's not had the best season so far. I mean, that's why I didn't see him going anywhere in this tournament. 
four and nine on the season so far, but he rises from a ranking of forty six to a career high of twenty seven, doesn't he? So brilliant week for him. He's you know the last uh, what well, first unseeded player to get to the final here at Monte Carlo since um, Dusan Lovic. Oh, Dusan Lovic. Oh, nice. Back in twenty nineteen. So um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant run for him. What did you? Um, how, how did you see it, Hector? So um, yeah, I think after honestly after having seen him beat Djokovic in yeah in his in the second round i usually what happens for me um what i think what happens for less experienced players who have the best win of their career against world number 1 or world number 2 3 i think they maybe sometimes get ahead of themselves so i i didn't actually see him going much further in the tournament after that win i thought you know, he maybe he's got the feeling I've climbed the top of the mountain now. I've I've beaten Djokovic. I've beaten world number one. Like that's that's enough for me. And I was really really impressed with how he just carried on. And as you say, not the best start of the the season for him. So in at the nine tournaments he's entered, six first round losses. Um, and that can't do anything for your confidence. But I think this has been a massive boost. And he's just yeah, he's, he's just taken his game and he's just put it out there and he's he's played a lot of brave tennis actually um you know he's 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 a great player to watch actually he's always he's always falling over another another um nod to a a twitter account did focky fall that's another good one so um it tweets whether he falls over in matches because he is uh less stable let's say um, and he did do a few falls, um, did do a few falls this week, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's been amazing. And actually, um, the win against Djokovic was only, um, the second top 10 win of his career. Last year, he defeated number 10 Berrettini for the biggest win of his career en route to the quarterfinals of Monte Carlo, um, where he lost to eventual champion Sitspas in the quarterfinals. And I, he's, he's, this has been a tournament of massive significance for him. Um, so he's been in three previous tour level semi-finals and lost all of them. So he's into his first final, first Masters 1000 final, and he was yet to win a set against Djokovic. So yeah, first final, new career high of 27. And also... I mean, last time he played Djokovic, he got smashed 6-2-6-1 in Rome, didn't he? Yeah, so. that's on clay as well. So you'd, you'd expect him to do well. Like that's, this, is, this, is, this is his best surface. And he, he strung... Uh, a winning a winning streak of five wins together and he's never done that before in his career at tour level yeah, so three out of the five players um, he played en route to the final were ranked higher than him so really he shouldn't be winning those matches if you think about it ranking wise but um, yeah he just he just went out there and did it and interestingly um, his head-to-heads against the players he played against um, it was his first meeting against Garone in the first round um, won that um and he had a losing head-to-head against Djokovic, Goffin, and Sitspas. And a winning... I was surprised by this. He had a winning head-to-head against Dimitrov and Fritz. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I, I did not know that. I, I was... If you if you said to me that was the case, I'd be surprised. I, I would have thought that he'd have a losing record to all of them, probably. Purely because they've played more than him. They've had more successful careers so far. Um, but, yeah, he just... He went out there and did it. And I think, um, I I don't really know where to put him now in terms of what he's going to do this year or career. It's too difficult. I don't feel like there's a big enough data set. Um, but one, one really 
lovely, wholesome thing about Davidovich Fakina is that um, last year he launched um, adoptas.org, which is a platform that helps facilitate the adoption of pets from Spanish shelters. Um, also provides information to help people better understand the adoption process because he, um, yeah, he really, he really loves animals. Um, and his, his parents didn't let him have pets when he was younger because they were afraid that the allergies would, they were afraid that he'd have allergies and that'd be bad for him. But, uh, yes, he sounds like a pretty, pretty nice guy actually as well. Well, yeah. Nice mate. Nice little pet charity. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, a super week for him. Um, he'll have hope to do him well for the rest of this clay court season, I should think. I mean, last year, decent results at Rome in the fourth round and, and the quarterfinals at Roland Garros. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to watch and, and, and see if he can kind of repeat the success he's had this week for the rest of this clay court season. It'll, it'll be great. He's a very exciting player to watch. So I, I'd love to see him go deep in, in tournaments again and see where it takes him, not just on the clay. Um, and one, so we're going through the, having been through sort of winners and losers of the tournaments for us personally, I think um, Felix Auger-Aliassime, again, another disappointing week. His year's been interesting purely because he started it so well. So he started the year with a win at the ATP Cup, then Australian Open quarterfinals, followed by his first title at Rotterdam, and then the Marseille final. And then from that point, in his last four tournaments, he's had one win, which was against 436th ranked player in the world, Moroccan. Let's be uh, careful with this pronunciation. It's going to be interesting. Elliot Bonchetri. Probably absolutely ruin that but no I, I reckon you got that i reckon you got that i mean in probably not quite a household name yet but um no i mean i i definitely agree and i mean neither of us have had him reaching the quarterfinals here at monte carlo um he goes into next week at barcelona seeded number three i think he will struggle again i mean i really hope he finds some form he's a great player to watch i really enjoy watching him um but he seems to be in a bit of a slump at the moment. So, um, as you said, a, a disappointing week for him. Um, disappointing loss to Massetti in the second round. And I hope he can bounce back and um, and, and, and sort himself out um, some better form. Definitely. I mean, if you look at his last four tournaments as well, as we say, only one win. All of the losses have been to players ranked lower than him. All have been ranked outside of the top 45. He would, have gone into, he, he would have gone into all of those games as pretty heavy favourites. So, yeah, definitely. He's a top 10 player. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it is disappointing and I'm looking forward to seeing him him get back at it. I, I think, I, I as we've said with, with Rude Alcaraz, I think he'll be fine. Maybe it might take a little longer. Maybe it's a confidence thing. Uh, I don't know. But you did think he would have, you know, by finally winning that final, what was it, his ninth attempt? Yeah, his ninth attempt. And winning a title, he finally gets it. You would have thought that would have been the thing that really helps him kick on and and, and start challenging that kind of top five and 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 higher. So it is it is surprising to see him um, drop off in this fashion. But I am looking forward to seeing him 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 go again um, for the rest 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 of this clay court season. Yeah, I think I think he'll he'll pick himself up, dust himself off, and. Um... I mean, he doesn't have many points to defend. Um, he, although he did get to the third round in Barcelona, sorry, the quarterfinals of Barcelona last year, where he lost lost to Sitsipas, 
Um, you know, he, he went out in the first round at Madrid. He went out in the third round at Rome. And then he lost in the first round at both Lyon and the French Open. So he actually has quite a few points to gain and not many to defend. Um, fingers crossed he can pick it up um, this year. I mean, that must be a weight off, off his mind, probably, actually, considering the form that he's in. So, like, even, like, he's literally only got something to win, really. Even if he carries on in the form he is in now, it's not like his ranking's going to drop a lot unless other players do really well and usurp him. So, off the back of Monte Carlo, we've got two tournaments of note this week. We've got the ATP 500, Barcelona, and then we've got the ATP 250, Belgrade. So, you know, we won't go full depth uh, previews like we did last week for Monte Carlo, but let's have a quick scan over the draws and and kind of who we think will, will, will come through these tournaments. So, Hector, do you want to start with your Barcelona predictions there? Yeah, so um, my Barcelona prediction, I actually have sits pass for the title. So um, he's a two-time finalist there. Absolutely cracking final against Rafa last year. One of the best matches of the year, in my opinion. Um, high on confidence from winning this. Um, and there's a potential quarterfinal meeting against Alcaraz there, and I think he wants revenge. I think he wants revenge. I think he's thinking, you know, I've just defended my Masters 1000 title. Bring it. And after his loss to him at the US Open last year, yeah, he wants he wants to show him who's boss. What do you think? Who do you think is going to um, get it this week? Yeah, definitely make a um, good point about Barcelona last year for Sitsipas. He did, well, last year he won Monte Carlo and then off the back of that the following week went to the final. Um, I have to say he comes in as number one seed here in this tournament and I agree, I think he comes in as the quite clear favourite to um, to go the distance. I think I'm interested to see Casper Ruud this week. I think, again, he'll he's in good form at the moment and I think he'll He'll be disappointed with the way he went out last week. And I'm interested to see him go deep. He's yet to win an ATP 500 title. Um, he's only won ATP 250s in his career. So I think, again, he'll look to go further this week and could challenge Sitsipat for that title. Um, again, my, the only other point I had was the... Um, whilst I was looking forward to seeing... That potential quarterfinal, uh, Sitsipas Alcaraz, I think that would be that that'd be a brilliant game. And the only other person I really had circled here was um, was your boy Diego Schwartzman. I think he's got a good shout and making a decent run this week. I mean, he only has to play well, not only he has to he would have had to play Felix Auger Aliassim to in in the quarterfinals, and that's you know a potentially fortuitous draw considering Felix's current form. So. You know, that's a really good chance for Diego to make a semi-final here. Um, but yeah, I, I do honestly think, considering his form and, and how well he played last week, it's, it's past his tournament to lose. Yeah, definitely, 100%. And we also, as you say, have the ATP 250 event in Belgrade, where um, Djokovic is the defending champion. Yeah, so Djokovic, again, he's he, he's won this title twice before. It's his home tournament. And I think, yeah, it's really quite imperative that he comes in this week and and reminds people of of his talent and his and and his skill he has to gain i think 833 points between now and the beginning of the french open if he wants to go into french open into roland garros as well number one despite the fact medvedev's 
probably not going to play up until that point. Um, so, you know, he can either win one of the um, upcoming Masters events um, in Rome or Madrid, or if he wins here in Serbia this week, he'd only have to reach the final in one of those events to accumulate um, enough points to maintain his number one overall ranking. So, yeah, I think this week will be a really good chance for him to sort of test the waters and see where he's at. I mean, you look at the draw, um, I think there's a good potential quarterfinal game there. If he, again, if he gets to that point, you know, you can't assume he's going to get <laughs> win every game anymore like he used to. Um, but he could come up against Ketchmanovic, his fellow compatriot, or, as I mentioned before, Dominic Team. So um, definitely a couple good games in here in what's a particularly kind of weak uh, weak field. So, um, yeah, Rublev will probably look to go to go deep as well as the only other top 10 player in this draw but uh yeah i really think all eyes are going to be on Djokovic this week definitely i completely agree and it's it's a slightly odd one this belgrade so um last year due to um due to the the effects of covid there are actually two belgrade tournaments and he won belgrade 2 with um berrettini winning Belgrade won, and he actually lost. Djokovic lost in the um, in the semi-finals to Aslan Karatsev in an absolute thriller. So he's he's won three three previous Belgrade titles, but technically they're different events. It's kind of odd, you know, like with the with the three ones in a in Australia before the Australian Open. It's all a bit confusing because they're special exemption tournaments just there for one year. Uh, but this um, Belgrade tournament was on the calendar from I think 2009 to 2011 in which he won two titles in that span and then in there in a few years a few years in between but um yeah I think he's playing at home he plays well at home plays well at home um and I think maybe maybe the feeling of him being at home will relax him a little bit and he wants to he wants to give back to the fans as well I think that's you know when he when he wins a match stretching out his arms from his chest, giving back. I think, uh, yeah, I think, as you say, it's doesn't feel like it's his, his tournament to lose, but I feel like he wants to put a stamp back on the tour. And I think, like you say, I think he'll receive some great res- uh, a great response from his, uh, from his home crowd as well. So, yeah, um, some interesting games for sure this week. Um, in other news, um, I've got something here... Uh, from the other day where Serena Williams um, will look to aim to come back at Wimbledon this year, which is exciting news. Um, she will be targeting a return to Wimbledon this year after not playing since last year's Wimbledon, uh, where she pulled out due to a hamstring injury. Um, the news actually came um, from Serena's Instagram story. Um, she was at the 2022 Bitcoin conference where she was chatting with NFL uh, star quarterback uh, from the Green Bay Packers Aaron Rodgers and she was chatting with him and, and she was saying yeah I'll be um, I'll be back for Wimbledon this year so yeah pretty that, that one sent the fans crazy and um, I mean everyone loves Serena Williams don't they she's um, an, a, a brilliant athlete in, in, in the women's game and I'll, uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing her return at Wimbledon this year yeah definitely definitely that'll be I'll be very exciting I mean I- it might be her last. Possibly 40 now, isn't she? So, yeah. I, I think it's fairly likely that it might be her last. 
Maybe Federer's as well. Oh, this is getting deep. <laughs> and then finally, um, a sort of bittersweet return for Emma Raducanu. It was her first professional games on clay as she took part for Great Britain in the Billie Jean King Cup. Um, she won an opening game, strict set, 7-5, 7-5, but then she did get humbled in that um, in that second singles game, losing 6-1, 6-1. I mean, this time around, it was it was blisters on the feet, which were the reason given for for her poor performance. I mean, she's just been riddled with injuries, hasn't she, since the U.S. Open? So many things that have sort of sort of got in her way, and it it's it, it's really a shame because it, there's such excitement after the after the U.S. Open, and it's. Um, yeah, since the US Open, it's been you know the hip injury, the back injury, blisters on the hand. She she had COVID, um, and it's just you know such a again as we said before, getting used to life on the tour. And I really hope she she can bounce back and and and, and make a run here at, at at the French Open. And obviously, I think the bigger looming issue not issue but thing that will be on her mind is her return to Wimbledon, her return back home here to the UK. You know, a great run last year through to the fourth round and I just hope that she can come into that and I don't know whether her team will target Wimbledon to make sure she's 100% fit. You know, it's, it's not, not great. She keeps playing these games and keeps getting injuries for different reasons. So, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed that, um, that she can bounce back. I think in terms of the result of the Czech Republic, here in the Billie Jean King Cup, it's not really a surprise. Um, I think they weren't even playing the top three players. I mean, the Czechs just so stacked in terms of the, the, the numbers of great female players they have in the game. So, um, Great Britain can still make the finals in November. Um, they're not out of it yet, but um, it'll be a much tougher run. Yep, completely agree. Um, and actually an interesting pick is the emerging Linda Fruvatova for um, Czech Republic, 16 years old. Um, and when she lost, she lost her um, her match against Harriet Dart, but she's been making waves on the tour recently. I'd go through some more of those fixes, but I do not bat myself to pronounce any of those Czech names. So, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, well done to the Czech Republic. They, uh, I would say they were the favourites going in and then probably deserved a victory. It came down to the doubles where they, um, they, they, they took the win. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think all eyes are really on Emma Raducanu as opposed to the actual result in this one, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, as we say, it's been an absolutely great week of tennis. Some absolute thrillers in there and um, congratulations to yeah, Stefan Mosic-Spass for defending his title. It's, um, it's a big achievement in the last 20 years, definitely. And um, yeah, so we look forward to seeing you next week. We go over um, Barcelona-Belgrade and have a little little preview for the next Masters tournaments coming up. Thanks everyone for listening and um, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram at line call podcast. <laughs> Look, I can't remember which one it was, but um, line yeah, call we'll, podcast. Um, we'll we'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.